All right, how many of you have heard these words? I'm bored. This is boring. Anybody? Now, now you, you know, if you think about it, we, we've had three months, basically, where all of the kids have gotten out of the habit and the, the structure of school. Uh, they've had all of these wonderful toys and gadgets and devices that they just couldn't wait to get in their hands, and they've already used up all of the goody out of that. And you hear a lot of that. But, you know, I, I hear a lot of adults, too, say, I'm bored. I'm bored. I found out something in preparing for this. In 1853, Charles Dickens wrote a book called Bleak House. And in the book Bleak House, he used the concept, if not the word, of boredom that historians um, kind of accept that's just when it came into being. Now, he, what he used was jog trotty. He, he had a character in the book that was referring to his uh, situation, and he said, things are just jog trotty and humdrum. Now, why do you think in 1853 this concept of boredom came to the forefront? We were starting to go into something, and, and it was starting to catch ground, called the Industrial Revolution. And with the Industrial Revolution, what happened, you had people that were from basically an agrarian society that worked from sun up till sundown. They had time for meals, and then they went to bed, and then they got up the next day and started all over again. And all of a sudden, as, as the Industrial Revolution started to take hold and it moved throughout the Western world, what we started to see was that people had something called time. Now, if you give people free time, what are they going to do? They're going to fill it with something. Trust me, take a class of sixth graders. If you give them free time, they're going to fill that time with something that's not pleasant for anybody. But see, you move forward 170 years roughly, and what you see is we still got this free time, and what we're doing is we're filling it with something. We're more mobile. We're more affluent. We have greater access to entertainment value uh, uh, venues of different types. And we fill it with something. Now you've all heard the saying that's a devil, uh, the, uh, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Now you can go to scripture and you can't find those expressed words, but you find an expression of the concept. In Proverbs 18, verse 9, it says, He who is slothful in his work is a brother to, whom he, to him who is a great destroyer. In 2 Thessalonians 3.11, For we hear there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now what we come to, to realize is that when Scripture talks about idle and idleness, what they're talking about is being lazy or being non-productive or just wasting their time and, and not filling it with things that matter. And you really think about with the free time that's ours now, why do we not have the fulfilling 
of the meeting of our spiritual concerns as a higher priority in our lives. Because of our affluence that we have, and that doesn't mean that everybody's rich, but we have more money than the world has ever seen, the population have. We have much greater mobility. We have access to things that can carry God's message out. But God gave us some choices. And he's placed opportunities in front of us to allow us to be a servant and to live and and, and work in his service. But how often do we let those opportunities walk away and pass by? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, Paul writes this. He says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our God and Father. And if you look over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. You see, some Christians understand the value of the time that we have. I was talking to somebody the other day and, and, and talking about being junior high age. And I can remember in junior high having all of these old teachers. And I've come to realize they were probably 35. You know. And now that I'm not 35, old is much further down the line. And, and, and we, we start to appreciate time. We, we start to understand that we're allotted so much and we don't have much time to do it. That we have responsibilities. You know, some people choose to fill their life in a zealous way to serve God. And, and they look for opportunities. There, there's not time to be idle. Now, so, sometimes I hear people use the word idle and what they're saying is, I'm idle, I'm resting. But that's not what Scripture's talking about. Idle means... We've got voids where nothing is going on and, and nothing is taking place. But you have those zealous Christians that, that attend worship. And, and when there's an appointed time for the church together, they're there. To be together, they're there. They're ones that take uh, uh, time out of their day to spend uh, a period in Scripture studying and reading, trying to gain more knowledge and understanding. They're, they're the ones that are willing to sacrifice time, their personal time, and allow it to become God's time. They view their time as the Lord's time. But there are those that choose different paths. In Revelations 3, 15 and 16, we've all read that many times, where Jesus says, he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were hot or cold, so then, because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's kind of a coarse way to say God doesn't appreciate those that are only partially committed. That God doesn't appreciate those that are willing to come to worship when it's a convenience to them, 
those that are willing to uh, bring whatever they have left over to church with them. Uh, Bible study is often neglected in favor of other things. Um, they take very little personal time to study for themselves, to study with others, to teach others. And basically, those that are lukewarm, as it's uh, describing it here, these are those that talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And, that, and that's not what God's looking at. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. It says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. So we've got the zealous Christian. We, we have those that are lukewarm that are kind of in the game and, and, and there's some hope for them. And then we've got those that absolutely turn their back on God. They, these are those that are just cold. And whenever I read that, what I saw the first thing what was the, the anguish that was in Paul's voice. What did he say? He said, come quickly. He said, I've been deserted. One that I thought was a faithful brother, he, he said, they've chosen to go somewhere else. So we have the zealous that gives their whole life. We have those that are lukewarm uh, warm that, that it's, it's kind of when it's convenient. But then we have those that are cold that just quit sharing worship at all. That, that just quit giving up part of their life uh, in, in service to God. They, they've become greedy where it relates to their time and their money. Uh, they've got a Bible, but it sits on a shelf or on a coffee table and it's never, get, uh, it's never open. And, and honestly, when you think of that, these are those that have made a choice, and not by their words, but by their actions, they're saying, I am ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And that's sad. That's sad. So we, we, we have different types of Christians, the zealous, the lukewarm, and the cold. But how can we become idle and lazy and become bored with doing the work of Christ? I want us to look in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And, and Paul answers that question. And in answering the question, he also says, this, this is what you need to do, how, how you can avoid that boredom. I, I, I watch the young ones today uh, that have all these little electronic devices. Now, i got to admit, with old, fat, thick fingers, I can't play any of those games. Never have been able to. I'm, I'm still on level two in Pocahontas back in the Game Boy days, so that tells you where I'm at. Uh, you know, I never gained anything. But I wonder about where has the imagination gone? Where, where is the, the forward looking? What, what happened to that? Where, where we're able to, to, to recognize uh, the, the opportunities that are out there. And verse 9, this is what it says, and listen very closely. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, 
fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now when Paul wrote this letter in Colossae, what the church was facing there was those that were trying to to meld together the law and Christianity. And these people, as we are, when you have great conflict, sometimes there's a tendency to disengage. There's a tendency to separate from the problem. And when you begin to separate, what happens, there's a complacency that comes in and there's an idleness that takes place. But what Paul is doing, he's sending this encouragement to them. And he's saying, look, guys, he says, don't don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. He, He said there's three things that you can do, very definite things that you can do to avoid falling into the trap of lazy and to boredom. And folks, when we get bored, we tend to just quit and give up. But the first thing he says, he, he says knowledge is going to increase your interest. Now, I, I, I love baseball. And, and, and I'll hear people say, well, I can't watch a baseball game because it's just a lot of dead time in between the activity. That, that's the part I love, that you can watch the positioning of players and, and you know, all of the maneuvering and, and shifting and all that that goes on. And I love that. I have a brother-in-law that's an avid golfer, and he can watch a golf tournament for two hours on a Saturday afternoon. And I think, why? You know, but I don't know anything about the game, really. You know, so if if we gain knowledge about things and we understand it, then then we're going to have an interest in it. Well, the same thing is true. Psalm one nineteen one sixty four says, "Rejoice at your word as one who finds great." Treasure, great treasure, something we value. And, and, and the deeper we dig into it, then, then the greater our understanding comes and the greater the love for the message. And the more we understand and love, guess what we're going to do? We're going to study more and more. Because it's, it's like a new door gets opened up every time you turn the page. And I, I referred to age and our perception of things and time, how, how that shifts. Well, folks, also our maturity in our faith changes too. And the older you get and the more you study, the more encouraged you are by what you read and and the greater sense of urgency urgency that you feel about sharing that message. Hebrews 5 and 12 says you have come to need milk and not solid food. Folks, if we don't gain in our knowledge... And if we don't use that knowledge, what's going to happen is we've got to start all over again. Spiritual atrophy is what it is. Spiritual atrophy. And if we don't grow in knowledge, there's a reason. And the most probable reason is that we don't pursue spiritual nourishment. That we don't chase the word. We have to keep our appetites alive. 1 Peter 2 and 2 reminds us that as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's a conscious effort that we need to make to pursue the knowledge of Christ. 
It's up to us. It's our choice. So the first thing, knowledge increases interest. Paul also says that participation increases interest. Now, how many remember their time on, on, on the field of battle and athletics and, and going through school? How many of you enjoyed your bench time? Raise your hand. Okay? Some of you never have been there, but I have. And, and, and when you're sitting there watching everybody else play the game, where does your interest go? If you've ever watched a Little League game or, or a youth soccer game, they're picking daisies and catching grasshoppers. You know, they miss the whole point because they're not actively engaged. They're not actively engaged. Well, what happens in our spiritual life James 1.25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed by what he does. Get active. The blessings from God come when we begin to understand who God is, why Christ was here, and what blessings really are. And if we back up just a couple of verses to verse 22 in James 1 it says but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is so when we actively engage in the work there's an interest there so we learn about it, we participate in it, but you know what else increases interest? That's when you have success. You have success. I, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm involved in a game or a contest, I, I don't want to lose. I don't enjoy that. that and, and if you lose consistently, you lose interest altogether. Now, when you begin to think about our spiritual lives, you have to understand what success is. Ultimately, the success that we all want is what? An eternity with the Father and the Son. That's number one. The success is also carrying along those that we love and carry about with, care about with us. And you say, well, I, I, I can't see that happening. If, if I'm at a baseball game, I can see the final scoreboard and I can see who won and who lost and how many runs, hits, and errors and all those things that there were. But how do we do that when it comes to our spiritual life? There may be a time that you, you, you see someone have one of those aha moments that you've been studying with, maybe personally, maybe in class, maybe you've watched them as they develop, um, uh, you, you hear it in their prayers, uh, those that are leading public prayers, you, you, you hear maturity come along. And, and, and that's gratifying. That, that's a success, folks. Not my success, it's God's success. And, and that's what's really important. In 3 John, 
beginning in verse 3, it says, For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's success. That's success. And if anyone chooses to become bored in their spiritual life, what they're doing is they're becoming complacent about their responsibility and they're forgetting about the love that God has had for us and has shared with us in the form of of Jesus Christ. There's encouragement when you realize what you say and do has an impact on people. And I'm telling you that sometimes those impacts you, you never know about. To many years later, possibly, if ever. It's the little things that we say and do. You realize that there's a reason that we stand up for Christ. There's a reason that we teach Christ. There's a reason that people receive Christ to become one in Him, become that new creation. Now, let's go back to the beginning where we started talking about boredom. You know, being bored is a choice. Being bored is a choice. And I understand that, that we can't be on go all the time. Because I get tired. And I bet you get tired too. And relaxation is one time because that's something we need to recharge and to re-energize uh, to be able to keep moving forward. But what I'm talking about, boredom sets in when we just are not doing anything. We've just become lazy and we want to just set off to the side and let the world happen. And when that happens, we become the loser. And those around you become the loser as well. You know, those Christians that are truly zealous in their work, they're going to live in service. And people are going to recognize that. Just by their very existence, just by their very actions day to day, people are going to see that. And they're teaching a message to them. But what about those that are lukewarm? They're going to hear a message from them too. And what speaks louder than anything is those that have chosen to turn their back on Christ. So we never escape it. And we may not think that we influence or we impact other people, but we do. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, it says to keep giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You know, earlier in the letter, Paul said this. He, he, he said, you've got to keep growing. And the way you grow is by increasing your knowledge and with your knowledge, the understanding. He he said, keep participating. Be a part of the work of the church. And he said, allow the fruits of your labor to become a reality. That's the success. When you see a young one that commits themselves to Christ, 
that submits to the waters of baptism, they're hearing the message. And you're a part of that in what you do. So I want to ask you this morning, are you bored? And if you are, decide what it's going to take to get yourself active. Get involved with study. Get involved in the book. Come to class. Share worship. Be touched by those that are around you. There may be those that are, uh, are, are, have reached a point in their life, they say, you know, I've got to make a change. And they're ready for the waters of baptism. We're, we're here to assist you with that this morning. There may be those that, that have allowed life to kind of put a wedge in and push them away. And they've separated and they've become comfortable in that. But they're realizing, you know, I've got to recommit. And, and I, I've got to make a change. And I've got to renew the zeal that I once had and make it real. And there, there, there may be those that just have a hard time. Right now it's tough, folks. It, it's, it's tough. There's so much goes on in the world. And they just need the encouragement that can come from God alone. And we'd be happy to pray with you this morning. Whatever you need, would you come to the front as together we stand and as we sing.